From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're excited you're listening. We're really, really glad that you're joining us for the car debates. And uh, we want to do something a little bit different this time around. This is going to be something that we do every so often. And it, as you can for, see from the special title, events, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's a special. And the reason we're talking to you about this time as a special is because of Motor Press Guild Track Day that just happened yesterday. We drove a lot of cars yep. and we want to tell you all about our experiences. And this is different because we did get to drive open track, a lot of different cars, some surprises, some favorites, some disappointments, and, uh, well, and, and should be and interesting. Some street drives too. Some street drives too. We had day one was street drives, day two was track drives. Unfortunately, the street drive was structured in such a way they had a new format this year. Structured in such a way that we really didn't get in much, and that's kind of a frustration point. But the street drive is never as interesting or as informative as a track drive is. Right. And when you arrive at a track and manufacturers have got 20, 30 cars available for you with it's not your tires, not your gas, and they're handing you the keys. You go. And we definitely <laughs> want to share that with you guys because this is one of those real high points of what we're able to do is that a few times a year we can get into these track events. We did one uh, back with Rocky Mountain Automotive Press back in June at High Plains Raceway. You probably saw that video for the uh, Fiesta ST and the GTI. That was at one of those events. Yeah. But this one here in L.A. for Motor Press Guild, it is the big boy. They have a ton of manufacturers, a ton of cars. We got into a lot of things. And I'm just excited to talk it through. We, in fact, you and I haven't even debriefed about it yet. Yeah, we actually haven't. This will be good. All right, so let me st set the stage for you. There's two days, and as Todd said, the first day is all street drives. And that is when manufacturers bring their cars, and it's really just to get to know them, to take some photos. Of course, the street drive doesn't always reveal everything about the character of the car, but it is a good way to get in some new things. And plus, sometimes manufacturers don't want them, don't want you yeah. taking their new car yeah, yeah. on the track. The second day is at Willow Springs, and both tracks, actually three tracks are available, including the off-road track, but True. these tracks were available to us to get uh, a flavor of what these cars handle like on the track. Now, it, it's surprising as to the varied skill level among journalists. Oh, hugely so. <laughs> across oh, the board. So. But in general, it's, you know, if you're off the track, you're gone. We're not racing, but we are out there to drive within your abilities, the limits of the track, the limits, of course, of the tires because you're on street tires, and really understand what it's like, these character of the cars, because in a lot of cases, it reveals a different character about the car when you drive it hard on the track. Track driving is entirely no different than street driving. Yeah. So we had two of these days to experience both cars. And in some cases, we got to experience both street drive and track drive for a couple mm -hmm. of the cars, mm -hmm. which was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, we did. We did. In fact, I want to speak to that real quickly. The M4, for example, this is the problem with the street drive. The BM brand new BMW M4, for example, on the street drive of that car, I don't think I ever used more than quarter throttle. <laughs> and most of the time, I had my foot just in above idle, and I had plenty of power. And in, like, leaving a stop sign at a, at a four-way intersection, just doing that at quarter throttle is engaging the traction control. I mean, that car has so much power for normal street situations. And it's, I mean, it's obviously going to be mostly used as a street car. So to get it on the track and to realize this is where this car belongs, and yet to drive it on the street and be like, 
yeah, most people are going to never have any idea what this car does. Wow. Yeah, I, I come away just amazed by that car, but I'll, I'll get to that. Just in keeping with the street drive theme, just to start off, what else did we drive? We drove uh, two flavors of the new Mustang, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. The, so do- the turbocharged car with a four-cylinder and the V8, although I didn't yep. get in the V8 for the street drive. I don't think either of us did for the street drive, did we? No, we were, we were curious about the turbo for the street drive. We got in both for track, though. Yeah. Uh, what else? We got in the new C-Class, the new Mercedes C-Class. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I am consistently impressed. I am back on board with Mercedes completely. <laughs> I came away floored by the interior of that car, the overall road manners, just how it drove. Of course, I, we didn't get to drive that on the track. I would have loved to. but No, no. no. Man, just the overall... Just the character of the car, the styling, the interior quality has been dramatically improved since the last C-Series. Yeah, I'm just yeah. flat out impressed with what Mercedes is doing. I, I really am a fan. I'm back on board. Of course, it wasn't hard for me because I love German cars to begin with. But yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a big, it wasn't a big <laughs> shift for you. I mean, However, I was reluctant, so. Yeah, well, the last, I mean, you said it, the last C-Class, the interior quality of it, it never, it, to, to me, it never felt special enough. I felt like yeah. everything else in the market, it was just like, this is another midsize sedan. It happens to be German. There was nothing that was like, okay, all right, this feels different. It's got a unique personality. That's all back in the new C-Class. And I think it's in that it's in that same vein of the CLA, which we actually were surprised to like as well. Mercedes is doing a good job right now with interiors that just feel special and well thought out and cars that have got, I mean, they aren't, the, the personality between it and the and the BMW, there's definitely a personality shift. There's a huge interior styling shift. Yeah. But it's very yeah. nice in the new C. Man, I'm just impressed with that car. What else did we get into at the street drive? It was the Mustangs, the C Class, and I thought there not, was something not much. else. Not not much, actually. That was <laughs> That was <laughs> we only got it. Uh, we got in something else that is drawing a blank in me. Clearly, it made a massive impression. It sure did. Uh, but uh, but anyway, but that was the problem is the, is the way this was structured this year. They had us in groups of people allowed to do street driving. We just, we had about ninety minutes. We, we weren't yeah. in cars very long, which was really too bad. Well, I'm glad we got to experience both the M4 and both Mustangs on the track. So shifting a little bit more to yes. the track experience. Yes. I'm glad they brought both those cars, and it was interesting to start out the day. You know, of course. You know, everybody makes a beeline for the hot cars. I ended up in the uh, the new GTI to start with, which I had been mm-hmm. in before at mm-hmm. High Plains. And I think you were in the FRS, which was a little bit of a different edition, was it not? It was the it was the TRD FRS, which I'm going to go ahead and say it. Your TRD FRS is not what it should be. This was a $30,000 Scion FRS, which is too expensive. Yeah. And really all it had is slightly larger wheels with good Pilot Super Sport tires. And like... Okay, this has the uh, the HID headlights that the uh, Su- Su- Subaru has. I mean, the Subaru has. It has the uh, the start button. I mean, essentially the Subaru BRZ interior and extras of the headlights and the start button and that kind of stuff, with bigger wheels, decent tires, and like chrome tips on the exhaust. That's a thirty thousand dollar car. Thirty I'm sorry, grand. No. Wow. I'm sorry because of course there was there were no changes to the power. I mean, it's 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 like Toyota and Subaru are consistently avoiding the elephant in the room, which is, <laughs> hey, could we have more power? So here this car was. It shouldn't have been thirty grand and not have any more power. However, because I know it, because I like it, this was the big big track at Willow Springs. 
and I've never been on it. So I was like, I want to get in a car. I know the car, and I want to go out and do three laps and just learn the track. I mean, we'd had introductory yeah. drives in a van, but who cares? So I, I didn't even drive it that hard. I just got in it was like, okay, I just want to get a feel for a car I know and how it shifts on this track. It was a good place to start, I have to say. Yeah, I think for both of us, it was really a matter of in the early morning, you know, cold tires, just getting used to the track, understanding the racing line better. I had driven it uh, a while back, but really not in terms of, you know, getting after it. It was more parade laps, that kind of stuff. So we were both just learning the racing line and learning entry speeds into corners. Of course, that changes depending on the car you're in, but just getting used to it. It was just a warm-up drive. I never ended up getting in the FRS. Unfortunately, it was out of gas by the end of the day, Uh, but it seemed to be a popular car. A lot of people were getting in it. And, uh, I got in it again later. I got in it again later after I learned the track. I mean, the thing about Big Willow is if you've never heard about Willow Springs or don't know, know this, or maybe you've driven a lot, I mean, it is an av- average speed-wise, it is a very fast track. I mean, you have plenty of tracks that you get on, and they've got 30, 40-mile-an-hour corners. That doesn't exist at Willow Springs. It's yeah. just everything out there. that The average speed is much higher. And there's people hitting, you know, in the big boy cars, you're hitting 140, 150 on the front straight. And you, but you're just maintaining a lot of speed on big sweeping corners because they've got a lot of real estate out there. So you, you kind of have to learn the track and because you're going to be going at such much higher speeds than you would on a, I mean, certainly you're at a whole different level than an autocross and even a faster level than like Fontana where they've had this, they've had it at the infield on Fontana in years prior, much higher average speeds than that track. Yeah. So it was cool to throw the FRS around and get a feel for it and then graduate into bigger cars. But I came back to the FRS later and here's the thing. I'm going to say it again. I, I think I even tweeted about it. I mean, this is a car that if anybody says this car is no fun on the track, they are insane or they haven't driven the car. It's crazy fun on the track. There is no question that the chassis can handle more power. There is no question in the track situation, especially something like Willow Springs where it's a fast track, you need more power. Yeah. But Although. it doesn't bite. <laughs> it's incredibly fun. It's it was just it's a car you get in on the track and you realize I can handle this I can learn from this I could get better here, power is is not a necessary element in that car. Oh yeah, but I did fun. notice that you were deliberately avoiding the automatic transmission FRS that they had there too, which was pretty oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> one point in the day there was oh look red FRS is available I'm not sure what's up with that one I'll get in and I got in and I, I looked for the clutch pedal and went oh and got right back out <laughs> getting out anyway. Uh, Well, for those of you who don't know, Danny McKeever runs Fastlane Racing School at Willow Springs. This is where he teaches all those celebrities to drive at the Long Beach Celebrity Grand Prix. Of course, FRSs, you know, they're driving all those things now. But what they do is they offer instruction. They make available their instructors to hop in the car with you and teach you the racing line, which is a great refresher, great reminder. And so in that sense, it was great to relearn the track and get faster because, of course, you know, when as you and I talked about, when you hit that line, you could even be going slower speeds, but when you're on the line, it just becomes glorious. Mm-hmm. So they offer up these instructors. In addition to that, some of the car manufacturers brought along instructors specifically handling that car, Yeah, one of, mm-hmm. one of which I will get to, and that was Nissan brought a pro driver. But BMW also brought uh, an instructor from their BMW Performance Driving School just to sit in the car with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was a, a little bit of marketing about the car, but this driver knew the car so well, he could say, when I tell you to brake hard, crush the brakes. They had carbon ceramics on that M4. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. as hard as you can press the brake pedal and you're not going to experience any fade. And you know what? Leave it in drive. Don't even use the flappy paddles. And I said, all right, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting the car. I'd never tracked the M4 before. 
And once I did, I came away in love with that M4. It was good on the street. I came away thinking, eh, the interior is good, but the Mercedes is impressing the heck out of me. But on the track, that M4, I was carrying 130 miles an hour into turn one. I could <laughs> not believe that. Yeah. And I was trusting what he said, and I was just going, wow. I mean, I'm deep into the brakes on that car, and then you can really get on the power early. It was mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. well balanced. I you're, <laughs> again, you're bringing Ger- up a good point, though. German about cars these, speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> shocking. You're bringing up a good point about these ride-alongs. I mean, there were three or four cars there that the only way for you to get in them as a journalist was to have uh, the instructor ride along with you, which was actually okay. I mean, it was it's okay. The M4, yeah. the M4 was that way. The Hellcat was that way, and the, and the Viper were that way. And those are those are appropriate cars for that. The the nice thing about those instructors in all of those cases, you're bringing up a separate point, and that is. These are three lap experiences for us. You get in, right. you do a lap that gets you on the track and kind of gets you available, I mean, aware of that car on the track. You have a flying lap in the middle. You have your quasi-cool-down lap where you're looking for your exit. And that's it. You're done. There's other people waiting. There's two or three times more journalists than there are cars. Yeah. So what this creates is a scenario where you're actually going too fast in your experience with the car. You're, you, you have far too short a time. you got to get in, adjust your mirrors, adjust your seat, figure out where the traction control is. Have I got all the settings as hot as they can be? Uh, okay, how does this feel on the track? Can I get up? To sp- and this is such a compressed... I mean, I was running GoPro just for my kind of video notes, and the, my average from when I turned the GoPro on when I started to when I turned the GoPro off when I stopped was seven minutes total <laughs> with the car. <laughs> right, Okay, that right. was my average. So you're... So, as a result, there's things, there's no question that we're missing, that we're not getting to experience, that we're not experiencing right. So the nice thing about in the M4, for example, was here's a guy who knows the car in and out. So the amount of ramp-up time that we would normally take to be like, okay, so how hard can I push in this corner? Can I push a little harder? First off, you don't have a whole lot of laps. And secondly, that's just not enough time to learn the car that fast. So this guy was able to say, okay, you know what? Don't break that much. Or no, keep going faster in this corner. Great. I need that info. I will go faster. But the thing is, it creates a scenario where, at least for me personally, I probably push that M4 harder with the guy in the right seat than I would have without him because he's telling me what he knows the car is capable of that would have taken me six, seven laps to try to work my way up to. We can do it in a lap and a half, and we're up to that speed because he's like, no, 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 you don't need that much braking. Great. I'll hammer on it. That's fine. That was actually very helpful in the case of the M4. Yeah, and in in that sense, it's great to have those instructors riding with you because – Everybody can always use improvement. It, it, you know, track time is not something we do all the time. We love it, you know, want to do it more, but it, it definitely helps for, hey, you know what? You need to keep wider on that turn. The car can do it, brake later, and it adds to that confidence level, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing that was funny as part of the track rules, you and I commented on this, was they ask you to keep your windows down. And I don't know who listening who has had track experience. I don't know if they do that autocrossing. They might, but they say, well, if you're in an accident and it makes it easier for the paramedics to get to you, they don't have to break glass and shatter a window to come in after you. Well, okay, but, you know, again, the variety of talent (laughs) that was available from the journalists (laughs) and the variety that wasn't, you could have cars that were the hottest thing, the Viper, the Hellcat, kind of trundling along and, you know, 
underpowered cars, FRSs, blowing by them because it had everything to do with experience level and, you know, the comfort kinds of level, people, yeah. comfort level with the track, all that stuff. So, again, it wasn't a race, but it was pretty funny to see, you know, GTIs and FRSs blowing by the Hellcat. And you think, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with this well, the picture? Way, the way I always explain it to people is this. If you think about driving ability in a world of a, a 1 to a 10, a 1 is a terrible driver and a 10 is a person that drives for a living, they're, they're a race driver. I, you know, Paul and I have gotten a lot better as drivers. We're, we're confident on a track. We like pushing cars. We push yeah. cars a lot for camera. But in spite of all of that, I would say compared to a race driver, if they're a 10, I might be a 7. Okay? Sure, yeah. You know, a good day, right car, maybe I'm an 8. Hey, good job, Todd, you're an 8. Right. But I'm not some amazing driver. What would shock you, though, as from a car journalist's perspective, is how many people out there are 3s? And they're yeah. car journalists. And you just think, who are you telling about a car? Because you have no business doing so. And you're watching these people climb into cars and take them on the track, and you're thinking, that can only end badly. Well, that and the journalists who might cover an event and only attend this Motor Press Guild event every so often, maybe once a year, and they're not car enthusiasts, but their assignment is to, hey, come or, come out and cover blank new car or a couple yeah. of these new yeah, cars yeah. the new Mustang for example it's the you know it's the latest news hey and they send a journalist there and they're terrible on track and you think mm -hmm. you really have no business being here especially on a track you should stick to the street drives it's also why they have a lot of street drives and they had a sure. street drive yeah. at the track as well so they had off-road um, streets of willow and big willow which was amazing I'm trying to think what else I drove. Oh, the 228i, the new BMW, just yeah, 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 oak to me. It just came alive, and I shouted when I first had it on track, hard on the accelerated, and coming out of the pits and into turn one, and I just, I just exploded into this. Wow, I, I love this car. It's speaking to me, <laughs> and I just enjoyed it so much. I couldn't believe it, and I could I instantly it be... feel that. I hoped it would be the M235 is what I was hoping it was when well, I saw yeah. it in that blue yeah, color. Yeah. I thought that's what the car it was because that's gotten a lot of good press as being a really good car. But I have to say, that 228, I think that may be the enthusiast surprise in the BMW lineup right now because it has a much... I mean, I really enjoyed it too. It was much better than I expected it to be. It has a much smaller form factor than the 3 Series is dealing with right now, which is helpful. Now, unfortunately, it still has that little bit too tall of a feel. And if you have it okay, in the comfort I mode, it's got it's actually got quite a bit of body roll in, in, in the high in the <laughs> Didn't high you setting. Switch that mid corner. I you did. Me? I did. I was I was three <laughs> corners in. I was I, I don't recommend this to anyone, by the way. But again, this is how fast we're moving through these cars. I was three corners in, and I was thinking this body roll is bad. And then it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I bet you I didn't find the sports setting properly in all of my fast setup. And I looked down, and a corner of my eye caught it. Don't do this, by the way. Don't do this. Yeah. I, I, I saw a corner of my eye. I was like, good. The button's where I thought it was. So when I got on my next straight, I cranked it up to, to Sport Plus, and you could just feel the car hunker. I was like, there we go. Now, it's still a little bit high riding. Center of gravity's a little higher than it should be for a really fun performance car, especially getting out of something like the FRS into the 228. It feels just tall. But sure. Well, so does it has anything the power. getting out of the FRS. Yeah. But it has the power that you wish the FRS has because of that turbo. It just yep. feels great. The brakes are fantastic. Of course, the one they had there was the DCT, so it's paddle shift gearbox. But that gearbox that BMW makes is great. As much as I love stick shifts, that's a great dual-clutch gearbox. It really is brilliant. And I couldn't that, believe this little car. Uh, honestly, I have to say, I think for if you're just trying to find a BMW enthusiast car in their new lineup right now, I think that might be your find, is that 228i. Because it's going to be on the cheaper end of their cars, 
obviously the M235 uh, would be more refined yet again as a as an uh, all-purpose uh, track car. But I was impressed with here's the car that I wouldn't think of as a track car in their lineup, and it was wild fun on the track. It really was. I was delighted to finally figure out turns eight and turn nine, even though they did have some cones on the track to direct journalists. They were deliberately slowing people down again yeah. because it was not yeah, a yeah, race yeah. event. So they had cones sticking out, and they were trying to direct you in a certain line, which not necessarily was the racing line in all cases, Yeah, but it was just designed to just yeah keep you in, in check, yeah. keep you tucked in. And so I, I figured out turn nine and came blowing out of turn nine onto the front straight away and looked down briefly. And I was hovering around 115 in that little car and thought, this car yeah, yeah. can carry speed. It felt comfortable. Yeah. I mean, there were other cars that I didn't feel as confident in, and I came away so impressed and surprised, as you said. Just such a great surprise. I really can't wait to do a proper street review, but it was good to get a track taste of that car. Mm-hmm, and again, mm-hmm. I I love that German sensibility, and I'm trying to figure out what is it about it that I love. And I think it's the refinement in addition to you know, what BMW does in terms of their handling yeah, I think it's the refinement that's added to that that I do not feel in the FRS. It's a great value, but sure. you're consistently sure. reminded that you're driving a value good handling car, not a yeah. Well, but the, wow, but the this FRS car is, is going to be running. I mean, it's going to be running ten grand cheaper than that Beamer. It is. I but, totally but agree. The, th- the thing about the thing about that two series that I liked though is that I feel like, and this is happening to everybody. This isn't just a BMW thing, but it's more noticeable in BMW because they've been enthusiast cars forever. But a lot of the BMWs are just starting to feel big and computer-controlled. I, I mean, can see I, there, that. There was an element of that, honestly, for me in the M4. I mean, the M4, while it's got a lot more personality than a GTR, it feels GTR-influenced to me. This is a car that now is larger than I kind of feel like I'd like it to be, and there's definitely a lot of computer trickery, thinking about what I'm going on. There's a lot of technology that is making it amazing. The 228 felt little more connected to the BMWs at old. It was a smaller package and it was a little bit more analog, even with the DCT, than some of the other stuff in their lineup that's just gotten big and more luxury electronic focused. Yeah, it was, I, I still found it great. And that's because even in comparison to the Mercedes, I think the BMW philosophy first where they're starting, it still shines through in terms of driving enthusiasm and driving spirit. Whereas the Mercedes feel dead to me, even though I'm impressed with everything else. The BMW starts at this end from the driving enthusiast end and, you know, pointed towards the luxury end, pointed more towards Mercedes. Mercedes starts over here at the luxury end and is pointed back towards driving enthusiasm. And in some cars, they do cross. In some cases, they do pass each other. But you can definitely tell the different philosophies. So I I definitely understand what you're saying. I, I still think that the dynamics still shine through despite all that trickery. Mm, and I mm. felt that immediately in the 228. It felt much less than the M4, even though I was delighted with the car. Yeah. And certainly, speaking of GTRs, real quick note, Nissan brought the Nismo GTR, and with it, they brought Brian Heitkotter, who was the 2011 winner of the GTR uh, Driving Academy, the Nissan Driving Academy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, they weren't allowing journalists to drive this car. And with the... Uh, dearth of talent at the track as we talked about (laughs) that was a good thing but they were giving rides and what i have noted with other racing drivers i've ridden with every time i shake their hand it just feels it's gonna sound strange but it just feels kind of soft they just have they're not crushing your hand in this grip 
it's just kind of a soft touch. And I really wonder, it sort of translates into how they drive because this guy, you should look him up. He is great and definitely a professional driver. On the front straightaway, I just glanced over and we're backing off of 150, slowing to 120 into the first turn. And yes, that car is as unbelievable, but he was able to extract just about every ounce of power and grip out of that car. Yeah, and he he comes out of that program and goes right into being, I mean, congratulations to him. I actually happen to have watched that uh, that season of that show. He comes right out of playing Gran Turismo and like driving parts trucks or whatever. He comes out of that into driving for Nissan for a living. He's been doing it for a few years now. So, you know, that essentially you were joining him on his workday. That's his office. The Nismo GTR, uh, there you go done i mean he's driven he's only driven for nissan so he would know those cars back and forth i thought it was kind of genius that they brought him and it was a was great way to experience hammering the around the track it he really was, was hammering around the track and you know what it also uh instructed me on my own racing line as as far as what he's doing of course none of the other cars could really hang on to what that nissan can do no. especially no. 120 and just sort of actually four-wheel drifting across the track but just the setup, and I said it surprised me, the speed you could carry. And he said, actually, in this car, in some cases, going fast into a turn isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I, f- I found discussing with him just little things like that definitely informed my own experience on the track. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. later throughout the day, it was interesting to say, okay, obviously I'm not in the Nismo, but what I can do and what I am feeling through the car, say the, the ZL1, which was there, that car mm-hmm. impressed me. I yeah. came away floored because I thought of it, We've driven the SS, the Camaro SS, and the Camaro ZL1 is an entirely different car. I thought of the SS as really kind of heavy, driven it before on track, and was okay. The ZL1 Mm -hmm. actually came to life when you pushed it into those corners, and what a machine. It was also a surprise for me, especially in that... Yeah, that was a good car. You know, wow, surprising cars to drive on track. Not just a muscle car, because I admit to not being really that much of a muscle car guy as you probably mm-hmm. know by now but I know that's shocking Paul I never knew that shocking but I had yeah. to get in it try it out and it was actually somewhat delicate it was a good balance between okay muscle car in the front straights but it really could dance through the turns and uh, I, I, thought I thought that it was, was great of, for me I thought that was one of actually the most confidence inspiring cars on the track and this is not the Z28 this is the ZL1 you yeah, know so right. Alcantara and you know there's there's normal, livable stuff in this car. This isn't the Z28 where it's all stripped out, but it was incredibly flat and capable. For me, that was the easiest car all day to heel toe. Every single mm-hmm. time I came into a corner, I nailed my heel toe on that car. It was so incredibly simple. That engine had so much power. The gearbox was rock solid, as were the brakes. That was one of the most confidence-inspiring, I-am-going-very-fast cars all day for me, hands down. That's interesting you said that, because I experienced the exact same thing and I admit I screwed up my heel toe on a couple other cars I can't remember what it was but I I thought all right fumbled that one all right let's try again next corner but then in the ZL1 I nailed it and it was Mm -hmm. so well placed it was as if Chevy has consulted with professional drivers to make it that car and they have I'm floored by that car in contrast to that I don't know what your thoughts about the Mustangs were. We got to drive the new 5.0, the new V8 Mustang on track, mm-hmm. and the 2.3 liter, 2.3 liter, correct? Uh, the Turbo yes, 4? Yes, 2.3 liter turbo. Yep, absolutely. The EcoBoost. So yep. we experienced both of those, and there were also five speeds. No, six speeds, sorry. Uh, both manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. And I did come away liking aspects of the car, 
both of them, but in some cases, I thought to myself it was merely evolutionary in terms of, all right, you kind of think of this is what the next Mustang is going to be. It didn't knock my socks off. It's good, but, you know, there were some aspects that I didn't come away blown away by that I wish would be dialed up a little bit more. On the other hand, the ZL1 is a track tune machine. The ones we were yes. driving, I get it. Yes. You know, it's not quite apples to apples. I it's, did it's, really it's appreciate not. the shifting uh, quality of both cars. They mm-hmm. felt like they were approaching the FRS shift quality to me. Just the way they slid into gear and locked themselves and preciseness. Mm-hmm. Not quite matching it, but approaching that. But in terms of handling, I came away with both cars thinking all right, I'm still not getting the feedback I would have loved to see Mustangs have, especially mm. in terms of a driving driving car. That might change for future models. Of course, we don't know what they're going to bring out. Sure, uh, sure. You know, in terms of special editions, that kind of thing, like they have with the, the prior Boss 302s and that sort of thing. But we need to give it a proper street drive. I need to spend more time with the car. Again, as Todd yeah. said, we get seven or eight minutes total and it's jump in adjust your mirrors adjust the seat okay where's traction control put that off any sport modes put that on and go because yeah. you know they're trying to get turnover trying to get through all these cars well and, and like so. the new mustangs are a great example because nobody's driven those on track yet of, of most of the people that were there there's a line you know yeah. if you've waited through three or four people and tried to be patient now you're in the car realizing there's three or four people waiting on you you're trying to be cool about all that you've got to move quick but on on this 5 liter Mustang I actually I agree with you I think it is it is a, a refinement it's not a revolutionary car it is a refinement there I thought was surprising body roll in that car now again this is not the ZL1 the ZL1 is tuned down to be a better track car so right, they're not, they're, right. they aren't really comparable so just taking the, the 5 liter Mustang on its own merits and actually comparing it to the Turbo 4 Mustang I kind of want to talk in those terms I thought that the big boy it's just a great engine. It's just a great personality, muscle car, great pull engine. It feels really nice. There's there's some long sweepers on, uh, some really long sweepers on Big Willow, and the car's just planted. And of course, that's that, that new independent rear suspension, finally. It's just planted. Right, it's going right. over bumps fine. That's good. I didn't have an issue with that. I thought the brakes were great. I did find that it had a little more body roll than I was anticipating. That was a surprise to me. Well, and. <sighs> I, you know, I, I know, again, again, it's not the track setting setup, but it was a little more body roll than I was expecting. The gearbox, I agree with you, is great. It feels like the industrial strength version of the FRS gearbox. It's got a much meatier, much more aggressive eye. Right, sure, it's into I can gear see that. now. But it's a great it's way into, of putting it. It's into gear in a very precise, mechanical way, but it but it the, the throws are short, it feels really good gearbox wise. I found it a little bit twitchy for the way that the clutch engaged compared to some of the other cars that were just, you get in, you're going fast, and it just works. But, you know, right. hey, it's a good refinement of the Mustang. They, they're, they're certainly continuing to go in the right direction in that big 5-liter. Right. In terms of clutch travel on both those cars, I noticed the take-up was about halfway through the pedal travel, and it was fairly instantaneous after that. I thought, all right, maybe just something to get used to. But I, you know, I did I did like it after a little while. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of that independent suspension, I think I was expecting a little bit better dynamic refinement. They did keep the corner, and you could, in both cars, hold that first right-hand sweeper, full 180-degree right-hand mm-hmm, sweeper mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. the hill, which yep. means you're adding power because going up the hill naturally scrubs speed, especially on a racetrack. So you're not necessarily you know, braking and then holding your line. You're actually 
you're, you're not just feathering the throttle. You're actually increasing the throttle, but the car is thrown completely to the left. And yeah. so dynamically, they were good. They cornered fairly mm-hmm. flat, but I just... I expected a bigger difference between the prior generation live axle and this new independent rear suspension. I thought, all right, I'm going to feel a big difference. And I didn't really come away. Again, we've said they weren't necessarily tuned for that, and future yeah. models will be, of course. But I, I think I was expecting a little bit different uh, different reaction there. Well, when of course, I they're say, tuned for street, when, though. Yeah, when I say body roll for me that was surprising, it was, it was in transitions. Once the thing got settled, it was fine, but it was in those tough transitions, those fast transitions that you discover on a track. I just was surprised at the at the level of, of shift in those transitions. But I want to say real quick, I want to I jump to the, the EcoBoost because I actually think that car, they're going to sell them as fast as they can make them. I, I was yeah. actually genuinely yeah. impressed with that car. It's, it, it feels significantly lighter than the 5 liter. It's actually only... 200 pounds lighter it's still a 3500 pound car but that 200 pounds is has been removed entirely off of the front axle and the car drives almost entirely differently you know what's funny about that is you still have the mass of the hood that you're looking out over huge but the car feels lighter so that hood is doing different things when you're driving like this on track it's responding differently you think well i've still got all this mass but that's not true the car is actually feeling lighter like you said so yeah. it's it's an odd feeling to get used to you know if you're a mustang owner you'll think wow your, but your I, visual I definitely cues, recommend driving it your visual cues are definitely that this is a big heavy car and then all of your inputs are no it's not no it's not which is really interesting especially considering it is still 300 uh, 3500 pounds i mean it's almost <laughs> it's almost a thousand pounds heavier <laughs> than the frs and only right. 200 down from the five liter but feels because of the the mid-range torque of the turbo and also because of that uh, weight reduction happening right over the front wheels, that's felt to me two things. Not only felt much lighter, but it didn't feel like a muscle car anymore. It feels related to the Fiestas and the Focus. It feels more like a a European car than a muscle car, which is one of the other reasons I think they're going to sell them as fast as they can make them, and the tuners are going to love it. And I was going to say, yeah, that car is going to be endlessly tuned, and I think more creatively than you have been able to in the past because you're dealing with lighter weight and the turbo, I think we're going to see more creative iterations of that car in terms of a driver's car or a canyon carver, which traditionally you don't think of that in Mustang. You think of it, you know, as terms of a GT car or Big Mm -hmm. Willow where it's, you know, really that track is all about bravado. It comes down to, you know, how confident are you and and, uh, how willing are you to keep the power through the corner a lot of cars can handle that but a more technical track like the streets of willow which we also drove yeah, yeah i think yeah. that car could actually be great on that track and speaking You're of which right. um speaking of the streets of willow real quick both todd and i did get the chance to drive the new jaguar f-type coupe on the streets of willow so this is mm-hmm. an entirely different track it is far more technical the speeds are a lot lower but once you get that line through the corners there it reveals so much about the car. And Mm -hmm. I don't -hmm. know what you were expecting to encounter getting into that car. We were both very excited to drive it as brief as it was, but I came away floored by the dynamics, not just the precise handling, but the way the car danced. Once you got that line right, Mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed with that car. Looking forward to a longer longer seat time with it, but. Well, yeah, I mean, Streets is everything that Big Willow isn't. It is all about hairpin corners, lower speeds, fast weight shift. I agree with you. It would have been interesting to have the EcoBoost Mustang over there. 
but it's all about those fast shifts. And uh, the F-Type, I wasn't sure what I was going to get into. I mean, I yeah, I've heard about the car, whatever, but I, I, I wasn't sure. really sure what to expect. Yeah. And what I was really worried about, and this was the S, by the way. This was the mid-grade engine choice. This is the beefier uh, V6, okay? Right. It's right. not the big boy 8. And I was kind of... I was, I was afraid, for lack of a better way to put it. I was concerned is a better is a better word, that we were just going to get into a car that was really sexy, and was the car you buy as a nine eleven alternative because you want something different, but not because it's that great to drive. I thought mm-hmm. it was fantastic. I thought yeah. it was fantastic to drive. I just I was loving the whole track and thinking I'll take any car. I'll take a go kart right now and just really enjoying the track as we got more more time on it. Um, Trying to think what else we drove. You got back in the Evo, of course. Uh, there was an Evo available. Actually, the I same car we yeah, drove. I can't, I can't resist. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just getting into just about any car on those tracks was excellent. Well, I, so. I, before we wrap up, I want you to talk about the biggest surprise for you for the day, and I want to talk about the biggest surprise for me for the day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear discussion on both of those. So what was the surprise for you? I think the 228i, the BMW. I, okay. no, I'm not sure what I was expecting when I got into it. I thought it would be good. I had also just gotten out of the M4 a car or two ago, and so I, I was come away just amazed by that car, but I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I wasn't thinking necessarily any, um, you know, I, I thought it'd be okay, but I'd gravitate back to the M4 thinking, all right, that's, you know, the, the better fun, better experience in that car. Mm-hmm. The 228, I was laughing out loud. I was shouting, going, I get it. I understand that this car is speaking to me. We are bonding even through the first corner, and I have three laps left. Hooray. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. That it was car was that so easy good. to love. And that yeah, was, yeah, as yeah. you said, just, you know, not all the power that 235 will have. So, you know, adding power to that car, I think, is only going to make it better. And certainly an M2, I would think, would be just fantastic. So... Mm. That was the biggest surprise for me. I, I, like I said, I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting anything. I didn't have any preconceived notions getting into the car. Well, all right, it's going to drive like this. I mean, it's one of their newer models. So, yeah, you know, who knows what that chassis uh, platform would be like. But that's mine. Uh, I'm curious to hear yours. Well, yeah, I, honestly, I got a, that for the first half of the day was my biggest surprise as well because I just was like this car in BMW's lineup is like the hidden gem for you want an affordable enthusiast car with that badge on it I was very impressed however mine was the F-Type I could not have been more surprised by what I got out of that car and and it was for me it was what I was so hoping was going to be there and really was concerned wouldn't be because the only thing about I will say this I had it in race mode, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's a setting. Again, we're going fast. Maybe there's a setting in there. That was a six-person line when I got in it. Maybe there's a setting in there to change what I'm talking about. But the steering was utterly too light. It was was way too light of a steering effort. That I I did not like. I could see that. However, the balance was spectacular. It felt like the whole car was sitting on a pin right at the dead center, right 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 at the center console. It doesn't feel as grounded as the 911. And I actually think in a weird way it's kind of the better for it because you know the 911 has that great rear grounding feel, you know. Oh, it yeah. doesn't feel like yeah, that. Yeah. This is rotating right off the dead center of the car. Rotation was so simple. 
I, I'm not going around the track trying to be a hoon and trying to get it sideways. And yet it so easily would do it. And it would do it in this nice progressive little dance. If, if you got on it just right, you could bring the background in this perfect. I mean, I, I did it a couple times. It's like, hey, look, we're sliding. This is fun. I mean, it was, there was no concern. I mean, this is not my car. Mm-hmm. I don't know the track that well. And yet if the back came out, it was like, that's awesome. It's easy. I've got it. This was so spectacular. That car with a six speed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Lord. Oh my lord! How do I? How, what do I mortgage? What limbs do I not need? Of course, I'd need them all if I have a six speed. But but I just that was a real surprise for me because I was so thrilled. Here is a nine eleven alternative, that is not an alternative just because you want to be different. It's an alternative because it's also an excellent car to drive. I don't know that the V eight with the extra weight will be that good, but that middle that S was spectacular, much better than I expected. Which is to be honest, is a relief. If it hadn't been. Then Mm. you're going on Mm -hmm. looks and comfort alone, which is not what Jaguar needs at this point. They need that car. And for me, I agree. It's good to come away thinking, yeah, not only is it sexy, it's a fantastic car and track. It's an unbelievable driver, and they're going to sell volume. They're going to sell boatloads of those cars. So that was good to hear. But uh, we are about to embark on a road trip. If you are following along, we're going to be sending out photos. Keep in, keep in mm-hmm. touch with Twitter slash Everyday Driver, Facebook.com slash Everyday Driver. You know all the usual places to find us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We're going to be sharing uh, little snippets about this road trip. Lots to share. Looking forward, of course, for to, the, the year. to the finished piece. Yeah, I, this yeah, is it's it. Yeah, big film for the year. We're headed out on an enormous shoot multi-day shoot to make our big film for the year. This will be the one like our 9-11 piece last year that is a uh, rental or a buy. We're going to work really hard to make something that is the biggest we've ever done. So <clears throat> no pressure, but we're <laughs> on that. And uh, the intention is that will be up before Christmas, so it'll be available for Christmas. I, I actually want to throw something out. We'll mention it again. I'd love to hear from you guys if you would like to have the Blu-ray option again available or if you would just, hey, I'll get it online. I don't care. Uh, we're happy to make Blu-rays, but if that's not something anybody's interested in, then we won't worry about it. So let us know on that. But there's a lot of information and a lot of great footage oh, yeah. coming on this shoot. We are we've been running ourselves crazy this week on setup, and it starts uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I I'm really can't wait. And uh, the focus is a little bit different. If you've watched the Porsche Blu-ray, by the way, please buy that Vimeo, Amazon, order your Blu-rays now. <laughs> but uh, that was um, you know definitely what it needed to be in terms of the dynamics and the jumping from the seat to seat in the cars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This one will include that, of course, this road trip, but it is going to be a little bit more. It's more about the road trip feel around these cars. And so it'll have a little bit different flavor, a little little bit different character in in terms of the overall piece. So Yeah, it'll be a a review and a road trip kind of blended. It'll be fun. We're looking forward to it for sure. So thanks again for listening. By the way, Patreon.com, if you can support us, if you've got... uh, Extra scratch, please uh, take a look at that. Patreon.com yeah, slash everyday driver. Don't forget that. And uh, we are here for videos, so please watch our videos. And again, thank you for watching and listening. Lots of films coming up. Thanks, guys. <laughs>